You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with my husband, Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Here is episode number five. Is mold making me sick? Before we get started on this episode, a short or not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed herein. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 20 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all solo podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley, and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist, and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon about mold and dealing with mold in your home at amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Steve Worsley. And if you're interested in scheduling a mold consultation over the phone consultation with Steve, you can be sure to find out more about those and his availability at cnccontractorservices.com. Now let's get to the episode. We are back for episode five of the Toxic Mold Podcast. So Steve, in today's episode, we're talking about, is mold making me sick? What are some common symptoms related to mold sickness? Uh, so the most common symptoms, which we've talked about before, are your typical uh, flu or cold symptoms. So, you know, you could have a cough or itchy, watery eyes, uh, an itchy throat, headaches, rash, rashes, it, there's... There's a lot of different symptoms and, you know, the, one of the big concerns you have with those is, are they short-term or are they long-term? Um, but as far as symptoms that you, I could go on and on with a, a list of things, but for the most part, look out for, you know, things like uh, a watery nose um, or runny nose, a cough, uh, headaches all the time. Um, fatigue, things like that. And if they're lasting longer than what your normal cold is, then then pay attention to those. So what happens if there's only one person in a household, let's say in a family, that is experiencing those symptoms? Could it still be mold? Uh, yes. Yeah. So just like many things uh, health-wise, there, there are certain molds that will affect people differently. Um, for the most part, you have the most vulnerable vulnerable groups would probably be young children and then the elderly and then anybody that has any autoimmune disorders, um, you know, like fibromyalgia or anything like that. So you could have one child that even in the same bedroom, they share a bedroom that's complaining of, you know, mold symptoms or mold sickness symptoms. And you look at the other child and they're not having any problems. So you just assume it's something with the child, not what they're being exposed to. So 
make sure that you always remember just because it's not affecting you doesn't mean it's not affecting other people in your home. And in terms of where the mold exposure happens, how does somebody know whether those symptoms are because they're being exposed to mold at home or at work? So, so there could be, um, like you said, it could be the exposure in the air quality at home, at work, or even at school. The, the best way to tell is, so let's just say, you know, we have a child that is experiencing mold sickness symptoms and they only complain about it when they get home. Well, it, it's, it's really tough because once again, I'm not a doctor, but it's really tough to say, well, did it start right when you got home because you're being exposed at school or did it start at home because you were exposed at home? And so the only way you could really pin that down is first and foremost, your school is probably not going to let you do any air testing there. Um, they don't, they don't want to take on any of the liability. So the, the air quality that you can control obviously is at your home. Um, so you could easily have your home tested. As far as work, if you do believe that you have a mold concern at work, that that's not as tough as it would be, say, for school. But on the other hand, your employer, once they test and you make them aware of mold issues, they have to carry that liability. So, you know, it's tough to say I can't answer for what your your employer would say. But for the most part, if you do think it's a concern, you should take it to your employer. How does somebody document that, though? Because I'm thinking that, um, you know, oftentimes we don't keep track of when we have a cold or the symptoms. What do you recommend that people do when they suspect the symptoms are from mold? How should they track it? So I have, so I covered, um, I'm not sure if I covered it in, in my most recent book, but I know in the mold epidemic, I covered the fact that for the most part, you need to have a journal or a diary. So you know, it's it's easier, and we've talked about this before, the, the more information you have when you go to your doctor or when you call the mold specialist, the, the, the quicker and easier route it is for people to try to figure out what's going on. So when you start having those symptoms, you know, put, put the dates, put the symptoms down. Obviously, with the dates, you're going to know how long it lasts. Um, keep track of where you were. So let's say uh, a good example that I like to tell my clients is, Let's say that you think you're, you have a mold issue at home and you leave for the weekend or you go on vacation for a week and you feel fine while you're gone. Then you come back home. It's pretty obvious that's what's causing the symptoms is at home. So once again, just make sure you document it. On top of that, just documenting if it's at home, um, or what you're doing at home, you need to actually keep track too of what rooms you're in. So, you know, some people spend a lot of time in their office or teenage kids spend a lot of time in their bedroom. Um, most families spend a lot of their time in a family room where the TV is. So that's another uh, key factor to keep in mind is, is to, to write down what rooms you, you sh in, it, not hour by hour, but where you spend most of your time at home. Can somebody get mold sickness from mold in their car? Oh, yes. Yep. Mold. So, huh? so mold sickness. Well, mold can, and we've talked about this, mold can be everywhere. It could be, and, and here, here's a, here's a, uh, an example that, that sounds kind of extreme, but I just want to say it so that, that people realize this. You could have a child that, let's just say they're allergic to aspergillus, and that's a common mold type. 
and their friend or aunt or grandma or somebody gave them a stuffed animal. And if it wasn't brand new, we don't know what kind of mold spores are in it. So let's just say every night you put your kid down to sleep and they want their stuffed animal with them. They could have a reaction to just a stuffed animal. Uh So it could be a very minor thing. As far as cars, for the most part, um, they typically get aired out. Um, and, and they should, but you definitely can have a mold issue in a car and it's obviously a lot easier to treat. Um, but once again, just like a home, if you're having a mold issue in your car, you've probably got more issues than just your sickness or sickness symptoms. Okay. So, so it can happen in a car. Now you mentioned something about a child stuffed animal. Are there are there issues related to baby toys and mold or anything like that that you uh, come across? Most definitely. So so even um, even non cellulose materials. So you know what we covered earlier is mold has to have three things: the humidity at sixty percent or higher, the mold spores, which you always are going to have at home, and then its food source. So its food source is a cellulose material. So Going to children and their toys. Cellulose. What is a cellulose material? Some people may not know what that. So that is. would be sheetrock, wood, um, anything. And, and it, as far as the definition, when we say cellulose materials, we're not going into the true definition of that. Cellulose materials for us is anything that's porous, okay. so it absorbs water and and that the mold can feed on. A, a, a non-cellulose material would be say tile or concrete metal those those are not porous the mold can't feed on it um and the difference between mold and mildew is mildew is on a non-cellulose material say like the grout in your um or silicone in your shower you can wipe it right off um so going back to kids as toys you know one of the concerns you have so for cellulose materials you know that'd be stuffed animals things like that when it's stuff like barbie's that's non-cellulose materials. One thing that, that I'd like to mention uh, as far as kids' toys is be careful of what type of toys that you are allowing them to use in the bathtub. So if you have a little rubber ducky that you can squeeze and it squirts water, uh, unless that's completely dried out every time after the child uses it, mildew, which can still affect you, can grow inside of that. Okay. And and anybody that, that has seen it, so let's just say you have a little basket of uh, toys that you just keep for the kids in the bathtub. Those those types of, which is, like I said, it's a non-cellulose material, but those types of toys, you could squeeze on it and you'd be, you wouldn't like, I guess, the best way to say, say it is what, what comes out of that. So it's going to be real nasty, slimy stuff. So so when it comes to your kids' toys, be be vigilant with that. Because okay. it, 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 when we say it could be in their toys, it's the same way with furniture, the same way with clothing. Um, so be, once again, you're, you're, if you're going to document things for that child, make sure you know what, what they're being exposed to in their bedroom. Okay, those are all really good tips. I even think about it. I'm looking at two rubber duckies right there, and I'm thinking, boy, they need to be squeezed out every time we use them. <laughs> well, if they've been, if they've been in, the, in the water, um, then yes. But if... If they have never been used in the water, you're yeah. okay. But but I don't know any parents with babies who actually really squeezes those rubber duckies out when every bath time. Exactly. And it, to me, it's no different than um, like sponges. Uh, I remember, you know, not long after we had first met, 
I was really big on you want to squeeze your sponges out. Yeah, and I'd never done that. Exactly, because that, that's a haven. Those, those are cellulose materials that mold loves to grow in. But when it comes to stuff like the rubber duckies, the first time you squeeze one out and it has nasty-looking crud in it, just throw it away. Okay. It's, you know, it's a little different than, let's just say, you know, you, the daughter has uh, Barbies. You know, you you can clean those with Clorox, Um but when it comes to stuff like that or cellulose materials, just get rid of them. Get rid of them. All right. So as we top off this episode, what is your one tip for listeners if they think that mold is making them sick? So since we're kind of covering kids' toys and then the sponges, um, my biggest, obviously, thing that I like to make sure that I always do is when you're done doing the dishes, and, 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 and keep this in mind too, you need to wipe and dry around your sinks. Because if you leave that water just sitting there, it's going to try to find a way to get into a cellulose material or underneath the sink itself. So make sure you dry that area out and make sure that you squeeze those sponges dry so that they're not a haven for mold. And once again, don't try to use those for six months. They're not very expensive. Go buy new ones and replace those. Okay. Good advice. Good advice. All right, everybody. That's the end of this episode. Please join us for the next episode where we talk about part two of is mold making me sick. And in part two, we're going to talk about what do you do once you've done the journal and you're ready to talk to your doctor. Join us for the next one. Prevent toxic mold exposure before it gets in your home. Download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist. Again, download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist. Mold checklist.